Hebrews chapter 10, then Romans chapter 4, then we'll go to Hebrews 11, and uh, after that we'll go to Hebrews 12, and after that we'll go to Romans 1, and that'll get us through the introduction. I'm going to teach you tonight on the subject, Wells of Faith. Now, the first installment that I brought to you, we called the justified shall live by faith. Hallelujah. The justified shall live by faith. Faith is not an escape hatch. Faith is not a spare key to get you in when you lost your key. Faith in God can move your mountain. Faith in God can cool the fevered brow of your infant child. Faith in God can keep COVID at bay and every other virus and every other sickness and disease, pain and malady, every other malfunction, every other infirmity, every principality and power, the rulers of the darkness, of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, every demon spirit, every accident, every negative incident, or any negative situation. Faith in God will keep you in victory. Hallelujah. Gene from Trinidad, Peter from Scotland, Cindy from Grenada, John from, and Jennifer from Nigeria. We are so thankful. No, that was Niagara Falls. I thought, how is it Nigeria Falls? Well, I can't see that far, you understand? That's, a, that's an issue. Harvest Music Live once again brought us into the presence of God. And they, they were meeting today. I was only able to be in their meeting for about an hour. But they met all day long about a brand new E-P, is that what you call it? An E-P that they've got coming out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just in about four weeks, I think. So look for it. Are you ready for a fill-up? All right. Everybody thank God that we got a brand new PA board for the one that blew up two weeks ago. Somebody say thank God. And we got a brand new switcher in the main control room because it blew up the week after that. And somebody say, thank God that they're all paid for. Yeah, the last one we bought was $175,000 just for one board. So somebody praise God. So they're working on getting it tuned up and let me help them just a little bit right now because we got way too much of this down here and way not enough of that back there. Thank you very much. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. Are you ready for it? Very simple. Now, when? When? Mark eleven twenty-two to 24 says, have faith in God. Hebrews 11, 1 said, now faith is. So when is faith? Faith is never what you had yesterday. Yesterday's anointing of faith is not sufficient enough to get you through the difficulties you're facing today. Yesterday's anointing will not take you through tomorrow's devices of the adversary. Do you understand? That's why you can't read your Bible yesterday and expect it to give you fuel today. 
your tank is empty. You're like a person driving your car down on E and saying you're having faith that it's going to keep going. It's not going to keep going. Your faith must be refueled. Now the just, Hebrews chapter 10, 38, now at this point, at this moment, during this season, at this time, henceforth and hereafter, the just shall live every second that ticks on your clock, every minute that appears on your watch, every passing sunset followed by a sunrise, you must learn to walk in, move in, hear by, see by faith. You are either in faith right now or you are in doubt. Nobody likes to hear that, and I'll tell you why later. I said, you are either in faith right now or you are in doubt. Ha! I just felt him. Mark eleven twenty two to 24. Have faith in God. For truly I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things that he saith, he shall have whatsoever he saith is. Therefore, what things soever you desire, when you pray, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. So faith is in the now creating your future. So you are either right now believing you received or you are believing you did not receive. Well, that's, that's just elementary, dear Watson. What are you believing right now? That you received it or that you didn't? Well, it's not in my hand. Well, that's the reason he said you shall have it. It's not about whether you have it experiential in the moment because that's what faith is. Faith has substance. Faith has tangibility. You're not listening to me. You think you don't have it because you cannot perceive it with your natural senses. Faith is not what you perceive by your senses. Faith is what you cannot perceive with your senses because faith is the substance of things you hope for and if you hopeth foreth iteth, you obviously don't haveth iteth. So what does that have to do with faith? Nothing. Faith becomes the substance of the thing you hope for, watch me, and the evidence of things not seen. 
not perceived with senses, not perceived because you can feel it, because you can see it, because you can taste it, because you heard it. Faith is the very substance of what you hope for. So if it is a substance, it must exist already somewhere. I can't see my car, but I have faith that it's out there. I don't have to see it to believe it. Faith is my substance of the things I hope for, watch me, and the evidence of things not seen. What is evidence? You can't just read the Bible. You have to read the Bible. What's evidence? It's what? Thank you, Pastor Saprowski, with that beautiful baby on the front row. The first time she gets to be in service with Pastor Rod, and I'm so glad to see her. She is the epitome of beauty, and I just wonder how you're her dad. She is beautiful. Her mama is beautiful, and she is beautiful. Hallelujah. Evidence. Evidence. Pastor Saprowski said, evidence is proof. Uh, I'm a deer hunter. It's not culturally or politically correct, but then neither am I. And anybody that doesn't like it, I'll take your jerky, and I'll take your back strap, and I'll take your roast. I'll take it all. Amen. You eat your cow, I'll eat my deer. So sometimes when it's beautiful and snowy like it is today, don't you love it? I love it. When it's beautiful and snowy, that's a great time to be in the woods. Because the deer make tracks in the woods. The tracks are my evidence. I ain't seen my deer, but I know he there. And that Bible is your tracking mechanism. It will tell you what's there. And if you follow it, you will come to your reward. And when you see the deer, you no longer need the tracks. Because the evidence gave way to the reality. That's how faith works. How many of you ready to go tracking? How many of you need to track down a healing? Somebody needs to track down a miracle. I, be, I bet everybody's going to shout online on this one, even in Hungary, in Rome, Italy, and Guyana, and in Barbados. How about everybody's about to shout? How many of you like to track down some more money? Oh, you don't need any. I'll take yours and mine too. The just shall what? 
Live by faith. Now put that scripture up there. Not, there we go. Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, say, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I'm not going back to doubt. I'm not going back to unbelief. I'm not going back to not finding my Bible, but every seven days. I'm not going back to the mediocre, mundane, spiritual flatlands of defeated Christian life. I am going to live by faith. If you draw back, his soul has no delight in you. Let me give you some definitions of faith. Are you ready? You said there's more than one? I'll give you one every week. I will train you in what faith is. Here it is. Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Abraham is being spoken to by God here. He is over 100 years old. His wife is over 90. There's nothing but dried up wounds in that family. There's no natural way he's ever going to have a child, much less become the father of many nations. But God spoke a thing so it could be written so that he who read it could run with that vision, with that revelation, with that evidence that would bring them to their miracle. God is drawing on his own word and saying to Abraham, look, it's written, man, this is a done deal. I have made you the father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who does two things. What does he do? Number one, he quickens the dead. Type it in right now. Pastor Nate and Carly and all Connie and Sarah and Colette and Jacqueline and all you folks in Elkhart, we love you. Who, he does what? Number one, quickens the dead. And number two, he calls those things which be not as though they were. I don't have time to spend here, but allow me to, to reiterate to you, he does not call those things that are as though they're not. That's one of the greatest misconceptions that have been heard. I've never heard it taught, but I've heard people try to live that way. He did not say he calls those things that are as though they are not. He does not deny fact, but he overcomes fact with truth. Father, sanctify them, John 17, 17, through your truth. Your word is truth. So your word becomes the evidence of what I hope for before I have it. Is this simple, simple enough for you? All right. He calls those things that be not as though they are. First definition of faith I'll give you is one that I received from my pastor and my mentor, Dr. Lester Sumrall. 
He came to our church, I believe, in 1982. I believe was the year. And that was the first time that I'd ever had the privilege to meet him. He preached on faith. We had a no, we had the 400 seat building at that time, and we sat up chairs all outside. Now we got 400 seats. It was full at 11 o'clock in the morning for that night. Dr. Lester Sumrall preached on faith. He laid hands on everybody. We had speakers set up outside the building with the windows of the building open and the whole fields and parking lot were full of people. He had to set up, at that time, everybody carried a product table. So he set up his product table outside all of his books. At that time, it was cassette tapes. And, and so he had all that, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. So we sat them up outside. Well, there came a windstorm and blew the whole thing over. You can imagine how embarrassed I was. But I took him to Brown Derby. That was the best steak restaurant we had. They didn't give him a three times warmed over biscuit like y'all give me. I took him to the very best place that I could find a steak in the city. And we went inside and we sat down and I knew enough to let him order first. What will you have? And that I'll order it for you. Thank you, he said. I will have the prime rib. I said, me too. He said, I will have it extra rare. <laughs> I told the waiter he'd like it to still be moving. He said, I will have horseradish sauce and I will have red sauce that you put on shrimp and I will have A1 sauce and I will have ketchup and I will have everything you've got to put on it. And he put all that on top. So I did the same. You're not an observer of persons. That's your problem. When you're in the presence of greatness, do your best to do what they do. Try to learn how they respond to things. Try to learn that I cannot tolerate a picture crooked on a wall. Try to learn that my anointing is sensitive. And you do your best to get on my one nerve. I can't tolerate your overflowing trash bin. I can't handle it that you look like you brushed your hair with a wagon wheel and polished your shoes with a Hershey bar. Why? Because I'm a person of detail. 
If I'm not, how would I know what I know to teach you tonight? I could just say, oh, the Bible, good book. I couldn't teach you to live by faith. I couldn't teach you because you want to do your laundry once every two weeks. I couldn't teach you. Dr. Kennedy Hagan got ready at the, at the Veterans Memorial Auditorium in downtown Columbus to lay his hands on some people, and he walked up to one lady, and he said, Nope. Why? Your shoes aren't tied. If I could get you healed, you'd never keep it. No attention to detail. No, no determination to be excellent. Mediocrity gone to seed. Mediocre people never learn to live by faith. They won't pay the price. You can have all of God you want. Doesn't look like you want much of him. That's what Norval Hayes told me once. I said, I wish I had more faith. He said, no, you don't. The proof of desire is in pursuit. How many faith books have you read this week? And how many Netflix shows have you watched? None of that you do understand, my dear beloved brother and sister, will ever do one thing for you. The just live, don't they, Elder McKee? By faith. You want to go face the demons that this young man faces when he gets off an airplane? No, before he ever gets on an airplane. The devils that come against him Roaring, raging, menacing, doing anything they can to get him not to go. In a nation that's 98.6% Muslim, where demons are more common than people, And you think you could stand there? You can't make your dorm bed. You have no discipline. Discipline is the root of disciple. I want to be great with God. Try spending some time with him. Try learning his voice. Try watching men and women of God that have stalked the earth. And when they get up in the morning, they don't scream. Devils scream. Brother Sumrall said, every single time the door opens on my airplane and I put my foot down, I put every principality and power in that city on notice. I'm here. And I'm not just about ready to back up to you. 
The just live by faith. I suppose you just walk into a hospital. I suppose you just waltz into a hotel room where the night before a businessman was there with a prostitute watching pornography and left all their spirits behind for you. Why is it quiet in here? You mean to tell me, Pastor Hutt, you travel 150 to 200 nights a year. You're in hotels. I'm never by myself. These preachers come in here. I'm like, who's with you? Oh, I just came by myself. I said, you'll be in trouble before I can blink. You don't live by faith. You don't move by faith. You don't exercise your faith. Your faith is like a muscle. And some of you spend a whole lot more time doing ropes than you do building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on, I'm trying to teach you. God, I've got so much I want to get to. Are you learning anything? You learned anything so far? I'm simply trying to give you a definition of faith. So we're sitting there, and he's enjoying that soupy thing he was eating, and I'm moving mine around on my plate like I'm loving it, trying to cover it up with my napkin. And uh, he always put his napkin in his collar. But his, you know, he's in his 80s, so he had a bit of a bulge in this general area. And so his napkin didn't cover the whole thing, you understand? And so I was apologizing to him. I said, I'm so sorry, Dr. Sumrall, that I, I didn't have enough faith. I'm sorry that you're table blew over and I'm very sorry. I just have, I need more faith to get a bigger building. And he said, hmm. And just stared at me. Don't you love it when people just stare at you? <laughs> and his eyes were steel blue. They weren't dark blue. They were steel blue like a shark. And his presence made you pray for three days before he got there that God wouldn't show you him what you'd been up to. Those that knew him know that I'm telling the truth. He said, hmm. And he leaned over. He said, you don't need more faith. I said, you're right. Absolutely right. You just need to know what faith is. Now this man that cast the devil out of one girl in Billy Bid Prison in Manila, the Philippines, 
And the, the national government gave him the National Mall to hold a revival for as long as he wanted it. And the day after he cast the devil out of her, the Manila, Philippines main newspaper headline on the front page was, The Devil is Dead! Now, Brother Summerall would always chuckle when he got right there. And he'd say, it wasn't true, but it sure sounded good. He began a revival meeting. 150,000 people gave their lives to Jesus in that one crusade. He walked in Chiang Kai-shek's China casting out devils. He rode a donkey across Europe and cast out devils. He was there in Hitler's Germany preaching the gospel. He was there in Stalin's Russia. I was privileged to be with him in the former Union of Soviet Socialist Republic the day the statues of Lenin were beat to pieces with sledgehammers. I still have pieces of it. And I preached that night in the 22,000-seat linen sports arena. A battalion of the Red Army got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost at the altar and went out and stopped city buses in the street in their uniforms and gave an altar call and people made altars out of the city bus seats. Don't talk to me about faith. Who do you think you're talking to? You're sitting on a mountain that faith built. You're sitting on a pews, on pews that faith built. I'm looking at you through a lens that faith put there. And it's my job to teach you to live by faith. What an exhilarating life. He said, faith is simply knowing God. Do you know him? Or do you only know about him? These young men just tickle me. They can give you every sports statistic of every football player that ever wallowed around in the mud with another man. They know where they came from, how many touchdowns they scored, how many times they run it back for a touchdown, how many tackles they've made, how many sacks they had. How, they tell you all about it. They can start in about Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, who's the greatest of all time. And they'll argue with each other for hours. Yeah, but Kobe, da, 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 but yeah, but LeBron, da, 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 but, but. And so I just say, wait a minute. Uh, do you know LeBron? You know about him. Is that how you know God? 
Most Christians live there in time. Not you. I come against that in your life. Most Christians spend their entire life never advancing one step beyond their first revelation of God. Most Christians spend their entire Christian life celebrating somebody else's revelation of God. I asked you a very simple question. Do you know him? What did he say today? Do you know him? Did you hear, feel him in your life? Did he touch you? You see, you can't believe, you can't have faith until you know the object of faith. Otherwise, you're just involved in voodoo. The Bible is nothing more to you than a new age crystal. Just something for you to run, rub, and make your demands. God will not be held hostage by your faith. He's bigger than your faith. He's bigger than your ability to believe him. And you better thank him for that. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. I don't know. Maybe they're making some noise online. CHN Pastor Brian Bolt. Hey, Brian. Stand up. Stand up, Gabby. Put the camera on, Gabby. So. Sorry about your look. No, on Gabby. She's right there. Find her. There she is. Wave to Brian and Natalie and all the folks at Whittier, California, City Reach Church. We got her now because we have faith. And you better be careful. I might reach out there and grab you too. Come on. You have to know, a, you have to know God. Not about God. You remember the sons of Sceva? None of this is what I prepared in 10 type pages today. Do you remember the sons of Sceva? And they all looked at me questioningly above their masks. Do you know about the sons of Sceva? Paul had been casting out devils and the whole city was a clamor and great crowds were following the disciples everywhere. So the sons of Sceva, devils that they were, they decided they'd do the same thing. Right? I mean, I saw it on YouTube. I can hold my mic like him. I can learn to talk like her. I can throw my hair like Medina. No, you can't. You're a fraud. Why do you want to be an imitation? 
I'll tell you why. Because you don't have the hoops, Papa, to be yourself. Because you don't have any faith. Always concerned about what somebody thinks about you. God, deliver us from the opinions of others that stifle the anointing that God wants to place in our lives. The sons of Sceva, they said, watch this. We can cast out devils too. We learned the language. Don't you understand? It has nothing to do with the words I say. It has only to do with what's on the words I say. There are people who can get up here in this pulpit and sing like a canary. And I just want to walk out the door. But the minute that man gets up here, I don't care if he cock-a-doodle-doos or croaks like a frog. Neither of which he does, by the way. It's what's on. Don't tell me the atmosphere of your room doesn't change when Elder Bill Canfield walks in. Why? It's not what he's wearing. It's what he's wearing. It's what he's cloaked. Ha! I just felt it. Just give him praise right now. So the sons of Sceva, are you getting anything? So that's what little boys, you know, they hang around here for a while and they get to crowing around like a rooster and think they can do something. So they step out from underneath the covering. Flashes in the pan. You want to learn to live by faith? Find somebody that's been doing it more than six weeks. Oh, I feel the anointing up in here. I bless you now in the name of Jesus to be strong, to do exploits, the power to live by faith. Jesus' name. So the sons of Sceva, they, they found them some possessed folks. And they said, we adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Some of you never read your Bible. It's amazing. So the devils started talking. You ever hear a devil talk? I doubt it. Because most don't even live by faith enough to know what's a devil and what's somebody just acting up. So they casting the devil out and the devil ain't going. 
If it's a devil and you have an anointing and you tell it to come out in Jesus' name, it's not going to argue with you and stop trying to get it to regurgitate. You can regurgitate going on a merry-go-round. Does that have to do with anything? How ridiculous. How untaught. How untrained. They said, we adjure you to come out of them by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the devil spoke. And the devil said, Paul we know. And Jesus we know. Who are you? Somebody said, well, I'm known in heaven. Are you known in hell? It's quiet. Say, I have faith. I have it now. You better because Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without it, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must, number one, believe that God is. Some in the church are not even convinced of that at this point. Number two, that he is a rewarder, not a taker, not a curser. He's a rewarder, but not of everybody, only of those who diligently seek him. Not, not casual acquaintances. Not weekend warriors who really look good on Sunday but can't find their Bible on Tuesday afternoon. God is. Is your God? Is your God is? What is he? It's not a rhetorical question. What is your God? I'm asking you a question. Have you no response? Type it in. What is your God? Who is your God? Omnipotent, all powerful. The Lord God, omnipotent, reigneth. Who is your God? Alpha, Omega, beginning. In who is your God? My strength, my sword, my song, my shield, my glory, the lifter of my head, the lily of the valley, the staff of life, honey and a rock, a father to the orphan, a husband. Who is your God? Provider, protector, healer, deliverer. Who is your God? Well, I'm not sure. Sounds, Pastor, like you know who yours is. I sure do. I know him in the morning. And I know him in the evening. 
I know him in the morning sun and I know him in the evening rain. I know him when the storm is raging and I know him when the stars are shining. I know him. I asked Brother Summerall, I said, what would you like to put as an epitaph on your tombstone? Here lies Lester Summerall, a man who knew God. Do you? Do you know him? I didn't ask you if you were acquainted with him. And don't tell me you know him and you haven't spent more than 15 minutes in prayer today. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Because if you knew him, you couldn't stay away from him. Because the more you get of him, the more you want of him. The more he touches you, the more addicted to his touch you become. Uh, whoo. I didn't get to my message. All right. Would you like another definition of God? Can you stand it? Are you sure? Well, I'll give it to you next week. Yeah, I'll give it to you next week. Yeah, I'm going to save that one. Uh, how about Hebrews 13, 7? Remember those who rule over you. Oop, that left you out. Nobody's telling me what to do. It's obvious. I'll not do this. Great. Go not do that somewhere else. Hurry. Remember those who have the rule over you. Who is it? Write it down quick. Quick, write it down. Why are you sitting staring at me? Write it down. Who has rule over you? Who do you submit to as you would submit to God? Not when they tell you what you want to do. Who is it? You want to live by faith? This is graduate school. You want to live by faith? Submit. Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God, James 4, 7. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If he's not fleeing, check your submission. Well, that's not what I want. I have a right. No, you don't. Who told you you had a right? What right do you have? You're the one that said all to Jesus, I surrender. You're the one when the shark was yapping at your feet and you were out in the ocean that promised God you'd live for him every moment of every day if he got you out of that. He hadn't seen much of you since then. This is so good. This is so good. Woo! This is meat.
Hmm. Remember those who have rule over you, who have proclaimed to you the word of God. Follow, one translation says, imitate their faith. Not their preaching style, not the way they put a sermon together. Imitate, not the clothes they wear. Imitate your, their faith. And considering the result of their lives that has been produced, imitate their faith. Ooh, that's Bible. Imitate their faith. Wells and more wells and more wells. Here's what I want to tell you. You and I, we are stewards. Now, I'm going to say something to you I have never said before. We are stewards of the revelations the life experiences of the manner of life of those who have the rule over us. People call me their spiritual dad. I don't know one thing I've said. They don't steward the mysteries. Well, I don't want to say that because I heard Pastor Parsley say that. What else should you be saying? My daughter, my daughter. But she was ministering God's word and just, I just sit there and I just, I just hear one thing after another, after another, after another. And she would apologize to me and she said, Daddy, I'm sorry. 90% of what I said is what you say. You're my daughter. Whose words are you parroting? Besides a bunch of people you don't know. Well, they're cool on YouTube. They've got the coolest stage. And you'll run after them and their doctrine sends you straight to hell. Want me to call names? Or wouldn't it be a tragedy if you had to get some discernment? Here's a clue. If they can't stay with their wife, I don't know how they're going to lead you. Look at them. They won't even clap. Oh, I'm going to teach you to live by faith. I'm going to teach you to live by faith. 
Preachers want me to believe they can command demons and can't even control their own children. I thought you wanted to live by faith. Oh, no, you wanted a formula. You didn't want, you wanted a formula. You didn't want to learn to live by faith. You wanted a trick. You wanted a gimmick. Just name it and claim it. Help yourself. And I'll see you in the poverty line. Because you have no faith to back up what you're saying. You're saying to believe, which is exactly opposite of what the Bible teaches. We have believed, therefore we have spoken. Stop being a new ager. New age philosophy. New age ideology. Who are you imitating? Imitate. Their faith. You're a steward of that. Right? How many years you've been sitting here, Pastor Fiaz? Over three years. Three years. And two years before that, Valor Christian College. So five years altogether. Do you ever sound like me? Yes, you do. There are times when I'll go home. And Joni will often keep a record. I heard Brother Summerall tonight. I heard a little bit of Norval. I heard some of Dwight Thompson. I even heard a little bit of Shambach. Not because I'm imitating them, but because I'm a steward of their anointings, of their revelations. And we act like Elder Canfield. We shouldn't share that. We ought to be telling everything every one of them ever taught us. You ought to tell this generation everything Dr. Kenneth E. Hagan ever put inside you. I got to quit, don't I? I got to quit. A lot of people, a lot of people, their faith right? We imitate 25 years. I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. I'm going to bless you too. God told me something to do for you today when I was driving to work and God loves you. He loves you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet and nothing the devil stole from you is going to be withheld from you forever. I will multiply the years the locust has eaten, says the Lord, the palmer worm and the canker worm, for I am your God and I know you. Can I, can I share one thing with you? I, I mean just one. Well, are you sharing with everybody or are you afraid I'll scare them off? You teach your natural children, don't you? Well, we got more students than anything. You, you teach your children, don't you? Pastor JP, I watch you. I, I've been to the deacon's home. 
on a few occasions, and I watched them. They trained their children. They just tell stories. You ever tell stories to your children about your grandparents? I trained my children. I took Ashton, she's a little old girl, and I sat her on Brother Summerall's lap. And she looked up at him and she said, you ever been to China? That's what she said. You're sitting on Dr. Lester Summerall's lap. You're six years old. Ever been to China? He said, why, yes, I have. She said, I got Big Bird goes to China. And I said, would you just lay your hands on her, please? Would you just put something on her that the devil can't get off? So, I have, I have stories from Dr. Lester Sumrall and Smith Wigglesworth and Howard Carter and Amy Simple McPherson, Dr. Oral Robertson, R.W. Schambach, and as many as I could sit here and tell you, but possibly the greatest person of faith I've ever known, especially in one area, is my mother. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, write it down. It says, when I call to remembrance, this is Paul the Apostle speaking to Timothy. He said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned, immeasurable faith that is in you. Now watch what he said. Which dwelt first in your grandmother. Lois. And then in your mother, Eunice. And I'm persuaded that it is in you also. Wow. Three generations of faith that the grandmother paid for and the mother received free. And the grandson got free of charge. Because faith comes by impartation. You're giving your children faith every day. Or you should be. My mother was raised in eastern Kentucky coal camps. Those were houses with a kitchen and a living room, if you will, with cane bottom chairs and a coal stove and two bedrooms for seven children, a husband and a wife. That's where my mother was raised. She was raised way back yonder in a holler. Now, she was a beautiful woman. She was 17 in that picture. Hmm. She graduated high school with a four-point average when she was 15. And she was getting ready to go to the big city. She was going to go to Huntington, West Virginia and find a job. 
up the Tug Fork, across the Levisi, and on over into Huntington on the great Ohio River. When she was going to high school, she had to walk out of the head of the hollow. That's where the water comes out of the mountain and forms a creek that flows down then into the Tug Fork. And so that hollow was way back. And she would walk along that stream out of what was called the head of the hollow because that's where the water came from. And she would walk out of there and she would wear her old shoes. Or, if it was warm enough, she'd go barefoot. And when she got out the mouth of the holler, it's hollow to you, holler to us, she had a pair of shoes that she hid inside a rock, inside the cleft of the rock in the mountain. And she would put those on to walk the last mile to school. Then she'd come back out, put those back in, so she'd go the next day. She told my dad, I'm not living like this in the coal camps the rest of my life, bud. So we're coming up out of here. So they went to Cleveland, Ohio for two years to find work. That's where I was born. And I don't claim it because we moved back to Kentucky where we belong. And we, when we moved to Columbus, our first home was on Butcher Street in South Columbus. Now, peas don't mean much unless they're your peas. But I'm going to give you a story, and I'm going to see if you can learn to live by faith by it. So that you don't, half of you stay over in the dorms, Miss Cherise, on Wednesday night when you're the only people I give the privilege of being in here on a Wednesday night because the snow's falling, and it might get on your pretty little head. I'll be glad when we can get back to church because there's something in here that I'm just telling you, you can't get there the same way. So we lived on Butcher Street in the south end of Columbus, Ohio in a second floor apartment and my mom would wash our feet, bring a basin, wash our feet, and make my sister and I get in bed. She said, now don't get up. The rats might be out. And I remember watching out my bedroom window, rats playing everywhere. Not mice, rats. And I watched my mother take her shoes that she walked to two jobs, two jobs. She didn't complain that her boss didn't pay her enough. She went and got another job. And they had a hole in the bottom of them and she was taking a cardboard box and she was cutting out 
a place to put in the bottom of her shoe in the middle of winter to walk to two jobs. Well, couldn't she have ridden the bus? Yeah, but then she wouldn't have had bread money. You think it's always been like this. You think I learned to live by faith by accident. I watched her do that. I watched her serve in the church. Never missed church work, two jobs, cooked every breakfast and every dinner. And there wasn't no McDonald's. We become so soft, so weak. So complaining, so entitled. I told you about my sister last week, 1979. During that meeting, the minister also ministered on 3 John 2. 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Now, my mother had always been a tither. The Baptist will teach you that. The first time she gave me an allowance was 50 cents. I had to clean my own room, buff the floors, make my bed, put all my things away, hang up my clothes, put my dirty clothes in the laundry room, and I had to wash the dishes every day. And I had to sweep the garage for 50 cents. And she gave it to me, and she put it in denominations so that there was a nickel. And she said, a nickel is 10%. That belongs to God. Don't ever touch it. And from that day till this, I never have. Not when I was a teenager. Not when I was working at the car wash. Not when I was working as a baggage clerk at Kroger's. Not when I was working, putting drywall up in houses. Never, to this moment. But she got a hold of something beyond that. Prosper? What? Then she got Luke 6, 38, given, it shall be given to you, good measure, heaped up, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And my mother believed that as much as she believed tithing and she believed tithing as much as she believed John 3.16. And she taught me to do the same. When she got a hold of the reality that she didn't have to be poor to glorify God, she decided she'd been poor and she'd had more and more was better. And she went after it. But she didn't go after it to get money. See, that, that, she didn't go after it to get money. She went after it to give money. 
You can't give what you don't get. And you won't get if you don't have a heart to give. She laid hold, I'm telling you, on the, you better never say we don't have money for it around her. Never. You better never say we can't. And you better never say we're going to go ask the bank if we can. She believed in cash money. When she passed, we found it everywhere. Amen. Drawers full of it. She had enough jewelry to take up an entire wall of drawers stuffed full. She didn't pay for any of it. It was all given to her. She had 200 diamond rings given to her. She never asked for one. But every time she'd get three or four, she'd just give them all away. She'd just be preaching. Here, you can have that one. Here, you can have that one over there. She was a giver. She knew that it was God's will for her to help finance the gospel around the world. Am I telling the truth? Elders Russ and Cookie, you traveled with her all over the world. But she never used God's word just to get money, but that so she could give it. She would dance and laugh. I can see her right now in her, in her little study room upstairs by her bedroom, waving $100 bills around. Look what God gave me. I can't wait to get to church. Is, is that what you do? I got a $30,000 miracle in a Dominion camp meeting one time. Because I told God, I want somebody to put a $10,000 seed in my hand and I'm going to give it to you the minute they put it there. The very next service, I didn't say a word to anybody. A man met me right over there by that door. Put that one up there over teaching. Have you had that one up the whole time? Look at that. I don't know how much that is hanging around her wrist there. <laughs> what is that? The Star of David. She always wore that. That, that big crest in the middle of her chest there. Yeah, it's the Star of David. Yeah. About 10 carats of diamonds. She gave it away too. What I'm trying to tell you is the just shall live by faith. And faith is giving. Faith is not getting. Start asking God. I want to put this in your hand, God. Now don't go believing him for a million dollars. You ain't ever get ten. Stretch your faith. And say in the name of everything holy. My grandmother in the faith walked by faith. Her son walks by faith. I see him. 
We didn't have a dime to pay for that soundboard. Not a penny. Two weeks ago. We didn't have a penny to put a new last switcher we bought was $125,000. And they come to me and say, it blew up. Did I get nervous? My God supplies my need. Don't be looking at me like you take care of my need. I give you more every year to this church than they pay me. That's the truth. Is that the truth? By a lot. Give me a drink of water while I teach these people to live by faith. God didn't teach you to be a beggar. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging bread. We teach those people in Pakistan to give. Brother Sumrall, I'll tell you that story sometime. Not tonight because I've been here too long. But he, he started preaching and he preached to farmers during the Great Depression. They didn't have any money. So What? Chickens. Brought chickens and pigs and he he put pins outside the schoolhouse where he's preaching and said, Now you farmers, tomorrow night, fill that up with chickens. You may not have money, but you got chickens. And you got any pigs, bring them too. And he took them and sold them and paid his way to the next city. That's how you live by faith. Not I'm going to leave Valor. I can't pay my school bill because you can't get out of bed till 11. You got to sleep 12 hours a day. My family will tell you for 25 years, I never slept more than four hours a night. Live by faith. It's wonderful. You should try it. Stop trying to figure it out in your head. If you can figure it out in your head, faith is not at work. Reason is what you do when you have no faith. Stop trying to figure it out. If you can figure it out, God expects you to do it yourself. You learn anything tonight? Yeah. Wait a minute. I hope you're enjoying this online. Put a camera on her. <laughs> I came straight from the gym, okay? okay. So that picture yes. was taken the day that Mother Parsley prayed for Isaac's mother. That Isaac? That's sitting right there. And sh because she couldn't have children and she was believing to have children, and Mother Parsley laid her hands on her that day. And then here sits Isaac, who's a Valor grad. Okay, come here, Isaac. Come here, honey. Come here, come here. Leave that picture up there now. I'm gonna show you how to live by faith. Are you shouting? This is Michael. And what's your name? Isaac. I'm playing with you. And Isaac, don't take my water. So there's Mother Parsley at your church. You can take your mask down. 
at, at your church and she prayed for your mom who couldn't have children. And then, obviously, she got pregnant. She had endometriosis and couldn't get pregnant. And Mother Parsley laid hands on her and believed for a miracle. And you were conceived. And tomorrow, you're going to preach Valor Christian College Chapel. Wait, there's more. And look right here. Turn sideways so we can see how beautiful you are. Look right here. I'm not going to touch her, but look right there. That was in your mother and is in you and is going to be in a boy, a boy. Ha! Let this child be a part of the generation that lives by faith from the moment they're born till they go to heaven. May they never be in doubt and unbelief. May this child be infused with faith from its mother's womb. May the mighty power of God Almighty rest upon this child in Jesus' name. Oh, oh let's worship him a minute. Let's worship him. As long as I sought the Lord, he caused me to prosper. That's Bible. As long as I worship the Lord, he caused me to prosper. Oh, don't you feel his presence? We feel faith now, Lord, and we thank you for it. You are the author of our faith. You are the perfecter of our faith. And we draw on the faith of our fathers. Oh, we receive mighty anointings to walk in. We will steward their experiences. We will watch over with great care the revelations that you deposited in them shared through them with us. We will pass them on to those that come after us. And we will show this generation, behold, Lord, now that I'm old and gray-headed, let me not be satisfied until I show this generation your mighty power. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. 
no easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.